Susie and Charmaine are sisters. Susie is eight, and Charmaine is four. Susie likes to take charge of Charmaine. Don't go outside like that, Charmaine. It's, it's dirty. It's wet. You need to put your splash pants on. No, you can't go in runners. You have to have boots on. Don't hold your spoon like that. Or at least you need to use a spoon. And on and on it goes, just like good older sisters do. And good younger sisters listen, right? <laughs> All you younger sisters. Well, now Susie is 30 and Charmaine is 26. Susie thinks Charmaine is way too wild. Her dress is too short. She stays out too late. She drinks too much coffee. She hangs out with guys that are a little questionable. Susie's very concerned. And Charmaine thinks Susie is way too narrow. Goodness. Get a life, woman. All rules and regulations and make sures and don'ts and do's and hokey doodle. How can you live like that? And their father can see them growing apart. Losing what is precious in an attempt to preserve what is petty. Sorry for my emotions. They do this all the time. Actually, they don't do this all the time. They only do this when I'm preaching. <laughs> like, ambush me. Like, who knows where that came from? Anyways. Their father can see them growing apart, losing what is precious in attempt to preserve what is petty. I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, and then unpack it for us. And if somebody could get me a glass of water, one of the things I usually forget. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. I have a, a main idea this morning that you'll actually be able to remember. Sometimes the main ideas I have I don't even actually want to tell you because they're long and sophisticated and full of subordinate clauses and things that, anyways, that make me look... Um, like I don't know what I'm talking about, but the main idea of this passage is if you belong, you need to get along. Why don't you guys say that? 
Change it. If I belong, I need to get along. Take that home with you. If you belong, you need to get along, or if we belong, we need to get along. Full disclosure, I'm starting with the understanding that this is where the church has failed. And I don't mean this church. The church that I grew up in is struggling right now, having lost all kinds of families who were frustrated with other families for the way they handled COVID. And every church that I know of has struggled. And it speaks to the fact that our unity has been superficial and fragile. COVID didn't make us divide. COVID just showed us how divided or how superficial our unity was. And Paul in this passage is calling for something that is deep and profound and that affects every day of our life, but going back to Susie and Charmaine, where we don't get tied up in knots over the petty and we celebrate. What did I say there? Losing what is precious in an attempt to preserve what is petty, where we preserve what is precious and are easygoing about that which isn't precious. So Paul starts here with, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And it's the hinge verse of Ephesians. Um, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The calling to which you have been called is chapter 1 to 3. And walking in a manner worthy is chapter 4 to 6. Everything that comes from this point forward is a way that we live out that which Paul has already laid out before us as a foundation in the first three chapters. All of Ephesians chapter 1 to 3. And I thought I should read some of it, and I just about got in trouble because I came very close to wanting to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 11, or to 14, which, by the way, is the longest sentence in the Bible. That's a sentence. All those verses. Um, but I decided not to. I'm going to just touch down in Ephesians chapter 2 to give us a sense. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7, my probably favorite message of all the messages Josh preached and Nick on Ephesians, was the one where Josh spent a fair bit of time talking about us in the heavenly places and, and the heavenly places and what that is. And Ephesians 2, 4 to 7, talks about that a little bit. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. That's who we are, alive. Made us alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Then the, ne the other next part of that chapter, Ephesians 2, verse 13 to 22, speaks a little more closely to what this what our lesson for today is. Um, I chose reading glasses that would make it so that you wouldn't be blurry when I looked at you. And I checked this out in my office to make sure that I could read my Bible with these reading glasses, but it's not going so well. Um, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. By the way, the new man here is a new man that's made up of Jews and Gentiles. Now, if you think we can't be one in the context of masks or no masks, in the context of vaccines or no vaccines, then give your head a shake. How would Jews and Gentiles ever live in one community? How would they ever enjoy a precious fellowship? There needs to be something deep that seeds or feeds or produces what we feel. Anyways. Now I forgot where I was. Thank you. For, <laughs> you can keep doing that, Josh. Appreciate it. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. I think I read that already. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And then he keeps going. And he came and preached peace to you who are far away and to those of us who are dear. You can't read it all, otherwise the message gets too long. Um, but the calling with which, to which we have been called, to unpack that for you, There is a call of God. The easiest way to try to explain it is think about the disciples. And Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he says, come, follow me. Now, none of us here have had that experience because we haven't been in Galilee, and Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but the Bible teaches that we have an experience similar to that where what we used to be blind to, all of a sudden we're not blind to. What we used to not know or what we used to be dead to, we are suddenly alive to. God works and he calls. It's an invitation. It's a summons. So think of the call of God as God summoning you from darkness into light, from not belonging to belonging, from not in the family to in the family. There's a transition that happens, and that's 
but the call. But then there's a calling, which we are called to. So we are called from deadness to life, from blindness to sight, from a world where God does not exist, or at least functionally, he's not significant to us, to as we sung, you are worth it all. So there's a calling, and the calling is what we live out in the way we relate to each other and the way we feel about each other. In the same way that Susie and Charmaine are sisters, and that means something about the way they need to be with each other that they risk losing the sister's part, the ability to confide in each other when marriage isn't going so well, to call up on the phone when they don't know what to do with these kids, to cling to each other when mom is in the hospital and isn't going to make it. Sisters matter. They belong to each other, and we belong to each other if we have been called and live in the calling that God has for us. The manner of living that is worthy of the calling is expressed in verse 3 to 4. Eager, no. Got to start in verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that's what Paul says expresses this calling in terms of unity. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's quite humorous to me. And maybe you'll recognize that I'm a theologian and we are a bit weird sometimes, so this might not be humorous to me. But when I put these things together, I giggle. Um, so Paul can say in the first three chapters that in Jesus, I am seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And Josh is seated in the heavenlies with Christ right beside me. So are all of you who have been called and who know and have the Spirit of God in you. We are seated in the heavenlies. Isn't that cool? That's cool. And then he says, put up with each other. Well, hold on. If I'm seated in the heavenlies, surely I don't have to put up with. But that's what the, that's what the verse says. The center of that verse is bearing with one another in love. Guess what? If you have to bear with somebody, they're a problem. <laughs> and you have to bear with me. You know, I, I, I looked up every verse in the New Testament that has that word bear with. Lots of times it's, in, it's translated endure. It's even translated with, in perse with persecutions as endure persecutions. That, just for a little aside there. So you have to endure me. 
hey, that's cool, Josh. If I go for two hours, guess what? You have to endure me. I got it right here. You can't get upset. You just got to put up with me, and I got to put up with you. And I'm old enough, folks, to know that personalities are as varied as the world. And one of the things that happened in COVID is that what used to be secret isn't secret anymore. So those of us who are very timid and, and a bit anxious about getting sick, suddenly that was for the world to see. And those of us who are naive and think we'll never get sick, or there's nothing that can conquer us, nothing that can harm us, that was also for the world to see. And suddenly we had to find unity with things exposed that hadn't been exposed before. And we didn't do so good. Because we don't actually do all that well, bearing with somebody who has a different personality than us. And yet the body of Christ is full of all those personalities. And this is the place where weak and anxious people find peace. And naive and irresponsible people find obligation and responsibility. And where all of us become transformed as we find that the Word of Christ and the Spirit of God need to touch us in places that we didn't know they needed to touch us before. And so that's what we call for this morning. That's what Paul calls for. That's what the Holy Spirit is calling for. And that's what I'm calling for as his spokesman, just for this morning. By the way, I don't, I don't get nervous when I preach. When I do get nervous, my mouth gets dry. <laughs> so you can tell how nervous I am by how many times I sip the glass of water. And I have no idea why I'm nervous either when that happens. I'm actually relatively intelligent, but emotionally not at all. A <laughs> little bit of whatever that is, transparency. So this manner of living, this manner of being together, this experience of our one anotherness, that is a good reflection of the calling to, with, to which we have been called, how does that work? What does that look like? If we had done COVID well, how would we have done it as a church and as a community? I'm not nervous right now, but just need something to do. <laughs> I'm going to do something that I battled long and hard. Um, and those of you who know me know that I really shouldn't have battled because it's a little bit in character for me to do this, and it's also a little bit not in character. I am going to use me as an illustration of COVID, and I'm going to do so in a positive light, which means it's going to look like I'm bragging, and I probably am. Um, I don't think I offended my Lord in the way I related to my brothers and sisters. And so I don't know how to unpack this in a way that has authenticity if I don't just tell you what I think and how I think it looks. And I, I need to say some things along the way, and I hope you listen well, because this could be misunderstood. Um, 
But he uses some words, with all humility. So let me tell you my starting point, March 2020. Anybody who knows me knows that I read. And especially when something like COVID is coming along, I'm in the news articles and reading and looking at what's happening in Italy and, and, and trying to make sense of it. And while I read, I pray. Um, Lord, I don't really trust the media. You know exactly what's going on. Please help me to see as you see. Because he is, as it says at the end of here, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And I, I rest there deeply that at any point, my perception of reality is a shadow of his understanding, at best. That he knows absolutely everything there is to know about COVID. Long before Omicron, Omicron. How many of you know of Omicron as Omicron? How many of you know it as Omicron? I apologize. But when I learned the Greek alphabet, the letter Omicron was pronounced Omicron. So I can't pronounce it Omicron. <laughs> and there are the odd article that has it right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> if I don't quit fooling around, we'll never get through this. <laughs> um, so anyways, I started, what is this thing? And of course, at that point, there was a whole bunch of people in the media, not, not in the mainstream media, but in social me <coughs> media, <coughs> who were saying it's just the flu. It's no worse than the flu. And I watched what was going on in Italy, and I saw families weeping with their dead mother on the living room couch because there was no room in the morgue. And I said, this is not just the flu. That was my, okay, no, and that's, that's what I do want you to understand. I don't actually care one little bit whether you agree with my opinions about COVID. Like, you can be on exactly the opposite side of the spectrum, as I am now telling you I am, and I will have every bit as much respect for you, and I will not be interested for a moment in taking you on. I am simply not interested, or I don't care that much about my opinion or yours, of COVID, but I care a lot about the Bible and about walking and living in a way that God calls me to walk and live. So I started with, yes, COVID is real. And here's the next part. I'm on the naive, irresponsible side of the spectrum as far as personality is concerned. Um, I never thought that it could get me. Like, I never spent more than, I didn't spend an hour or 15 minutes or even two minutes worried that I was going to die from COVID. All right? So that's who I am. But I realized that my mother could die from COVID and that I could give it to her so that I could actually become a, a link in the chain that killed my mother. Now, my mother didn't die and she didn't, actually, I don't think she's gotten COVID. Look at that. Um, my whole family got COVID, by the way. And full disclosure, I am vaccinated once, twice, and boosted. And so are all my children. That's who I am. That's where I am. That's where I landed on the whole question of what do we do 
in response to COVID. But there was something else that happened along the way. One is that I have a sister and a brother-in-law who I experienced deep fellowship with who didn't get vaccinated and are passionate about not getting vaccinated. And they didn't vaccinate their children. And then I have a close friend that I have spent much of my life fellowshipping with in Saskatchewan who gave up her job because they insisted that she be vaccinated. And, I, and she loves Jesus. I know she loves Jesus. And I went, why in the world would you give up your job for the sake of, you know? And I, I saw something which said this to me. Ken, you're not seeing the whole picture. You have brothers and sisters who are seeing something that you don't see. And so, humility... That was the starting point. I went to my brothers and sisters and said, you know what, this is how I see it, something like what I just told you. What are you seeing? And I discovered that there were questions of not wanting to put their confidence in the government, wanting to live an authentic faith where they weren't rooting their lives in science or in the current expression of science. That's another whole sermon, by the way. From my perspective, Christians have, they should be the best scientists. So I trust in good science, because good science is just discovering what God created. But I don't trust scientists, because they're people. They're fallen. Not only that, most of them have decided that God does not exist and that they need to come up with a reality that can do without God. How you do that? Anyways, that's a different message, but humility, gentleness. I didn't go to my brothers and sisters and say, what is wrong with you? You could kill your mother. That kind of rhetoric. You remember that? People who weren't vaccinated were domestic terrorists. Remember that language? Is that gentleness? No. So gentleness, I said, you're seeing something that I don't see. Please help me. Patience. Sometimes their explanations were totally inadequate. They didn't satisfy me at all. But patience says... You're in for the long haul. Judgment isn't part of your vocabulary. Condemnation isn't part of your vocabulary. Your relationship matters to you more than all those things. Patience. Gentleness. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So my feelings towards my brother and brother-in-law and sister are every bit as tender today as they were in February of 2020. The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace has not been broken by COVID. In my relationships, I have people who are on the very opposite side of the spectrum who I am still fully delighting in. 
And that's, I would suggest to you, is the way it ought to be. There isn't anything in the Bible that says, thou shalt agree with each other about what to do with the COVID vaccine. Nor is there anything in the Bible that says, thou shalt be masked wherever thou goest. Notice I'm going back to King James language, as if God spoke in King James. Anyways, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Not eager to have your way, not eager to be right, not eager to gather people around you who are, make you feel comfortable, Not eager to be safe. Eager to preserve or maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to read another passage, Romans chapter 14, which isn't about COVID, but it is. Romans chapter 14, verse 1 to 12. By the way, for those of you who are concerned, I can see all the letters, but just not the numbers. So finding out where I was is a problem, but reading isn't, which is why I need you to help me when I stop and talk. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. I'm glad he put it that way. <laughs> Oh, dear. Let, <laughs> sorry. let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. For those of you who don't know this, that background here is that the meat that was sold in the marketplace was often sacrificed to the gods of the, the, the false gods before it was sold. So if you were going to eat meat, you were eating something that had been already blessed or dedicated or it, had, it was attached to the worship of the Ephesian community. Um, so there was good reason to abstain. It was like, if I do that. But Paul says in another passage, it's meat. Whether, whether they spoke over it or not doesn't change anything. It's still meat by the time it gets to... Anyways, I don't want to get another whole message. But... Um, <clears throat> Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? This is good. Okay, at the beginning, I thought, this is a no-brainer. Like, how can a Christian not get vaccinated and increase the likelihood that he's going to pass on a deadly virus to a vulnerable person? I started there. Um, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld. I love this about Paul in this passage. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. You have questions about him. You think that, hokey doodle, how can God accept this person? He's an absolute idiot. But the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Put that in the Jewish context with Sabbath worship. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. 
The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So here's the giggling theologian in me again, all right? So we are seated in the heavenlies together with Jesus Christ. That's our reality. That's the foundation of everything. We are seated in the heavenlies together with Christ. But while we're here on earth, the Lord is receiving worship from one of us who is eating as unto him, and another who is abstaining as unto him. If you like black and white, don't read this passage. Like, it doesn't line up in nice rules and regulations so that you know that you've crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's. Susie would be unhappy here. This is a Charmaine passage where it says there's all kinds of diversity. But if your heart is soft towards God and the Spirit of God lives in you just as he lives in me, we can wrap our arms around each other even while we express that differently. And then he's going to go on to say by the end of this, whatever is not of faith is, not of, is, is sin. And so, if you felt like the Lord was leading you not to get vaccinated and you got pressured by me or anybody else into getting vaccinated, you are sinning against your Lord. Think about that, folks. Those of you who are really switched on about masks and vaccines and science and technology and going with it with all of your heart, did you put pressure on somebody? to do what they didn't feel they should do. Then you pressured them to dishonor their Lord. And it's the same on the other side. You're one of those, forget the masks, it's all a bunch of bunk. What in the world are you doing that for? Meanwhile, I'm trying to follow my Lord by loving my mother. And you're trying to convince me that I don't need to do that. This thing is interesting. And it's interesting because of the next... Well, no, that, if I say it that way, you won't know what I mean. Theologically, everything is rooted in the next verses. So verses 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One body. So what Christians do, contemporary Christians, and I don't just mean right now because this has been happening for my whole life and I'm old now, so some of you don't think I'm contemporary. Um, but when you don't like the people in your church, what do you do? Go ahead, Nick. I saw your hand. You leave and go to find a church where you do like the people. That is the North American church experience. We are consumers. We find some place that suits us. Paul says, 
one body. So here's a, here's a news flash. From the perspective of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, there is no church at Pine Ridge. There's only a church in Springfield. And actually, I don't know how they divide it up. Because I know in Revelation it says to the church in Ephesus and to the church in Laodicea. So the Bible is realistic. It understands that we are going to assemble in different places. Different people will be coming together. Um, but the idea that we should separate into homogenous groups is of the devil. Let me say it that strongly. The idea that every time somebody makes you uncomfortable, a good idea is just to find a church where he doesn't fellowship. That's of the devil. You deny the truth by that behavior. You deny the reality that we are one and that there is only one body. Learning to get along is how you reflect that truth. Reaching out to each other and actually seeing it from the other person's perspective, that's how you reflect that truth. Wanting to learn and submit to one another, that's how you reflect that truth. Staying right where you are and working out your conflicts until you have a sweet fellowship that is tender and full of mercy and patience and gentleness, that's how you reflect that truth. The realities are here. One body, one spirit. If you belong, if you have been called, you have the same spirit dwelling in you that I have dwelling in me. Old, young, male, female, black, white, dumb, smart, big, small, fat, skinny. The same spirit. That's what makes us one. That literally the spirit of the living God has taken up residence in our hearts. If that's not enough to unify us, then nothing is. Live it out. If you belong, you need to get along. One destination, I love that. To one hope that belongs to your call, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. We are all going to land in the same hotel. Actually, not a hotel. In the same paradise. We're going to land in a place that God has prepared for us, that Jesus has gone ahead and created for us. And we are going to get to live with one another. Just think about that. You did all of that work. You grew up in a church. There were some people in that church who got upsetting to you. You went and found another church. So you wouldn't have to be with those people. Guess what? You're going to land right beside them for the rest of eternity. If God is a theologian, he's going to be giggling. And he is a theologian. I, can you imagine all of the people who separated from each other over petty things? If they truly have the Spirit of God in them, they're going to have an aha moment when they land in eternity, in paradise. And the person that they did everything in their power to avoid is sitting there right beside them. One Lord. And guess what? He's not you. I, I've entitled the head of this bunch here, 
it's not about you. And, and fundamentally, this is what I want us to understand. That when you enter into a relationship with God, the Father of all, who is in all and over all, you give up your rights. At that moment, at that time, what you think ceases to matter, what you want to do ceases to matter, the kind of life you want to have ceases to matter, because it's not about you if you have entered into the kingdom of God. We live in a Christianity that often understands that this should be about how it feels to me. It is not. It needs to be about how it feels to him. Does he feel worshipped by your life? That's the question that matters. Does he feel honored by your lips? That's the question that matters. Does he find joy in the way you live your life? Because it's not about you. It's about him. He is the God and Father of all who is in all and over all. And coming into his kingdom means that you have seen that where before you were blind to it. Where you have embraced that, where before you were offended by it. That you have signed up to give for the rest of your life here on earth, knowing that forever he is going to generously Grace upon grace upon grace. And now too. Not that it's worse to live for Jesus. It's not. One truth, says one faith. And uh, that's a whole sermon. I Early on in, in, in COVID, I was absolutely astounded at how far our society has strayed from the truth. We are literally to the place that if a human being can put it on the internet, it can be true. It doesn't have to have any relationship to reality. That's true for them and anybody who agrees with them. So my opinion has become, and I don't mean just my opinion, you could say this. We could repeat it, and it would be true for all of us. My opinion is all that matters. That's, the, that's how it works out in our culture. No. God's perspective is all that matters. He knows what real is and what's not real. One baptism. Now, I had this worked out. Then I was going to say, one body, and that's not the body that you decided is. One spirit, and that's not the spirit that you decided is. One destination, and that's not the destination that you've determined. Only, and I was going to do it all the way down. And good thing I didn't, because I think it's stupid. But um, <laughs> One baptism. And you go, wait a minute, I was baptized. Jody's baptized. Corey's baptized. That's two baptisms right there, isn't it? How many baptisms do we have in this church? Well, we've got as many people as are baptized. Of course, that's not what it means. One baptism means that there's, there's one. Baptism is where we are identified, where we say, I don't belong there anymore, I belong here. 
So when you're baptized, you are, you are identifying with the body of Christ. And whether you did that in Enola or Rugold or Oak Bank or Vancouver, there's still one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so it is that Paul will say to the Romans, he, God is able to make him stand. Who are you to judge the servant of another? That's where we stand with each other. We don't think we are in charge. It's not up to me that you obey. There is one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all. And he knows where each one of us is in our walk with him. Some of us are babies. Some of us have been at it for a while. Some of us have been at it for a while and we're still babies. Some of us are struggling. Um, he's the one in whom we rest. Not COVID vaccines, not governments, him, the God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. And then, there's a very playful side of me. This has been a stupid message, like playful, then really serious, then playful, then really serious. But um, I'm going to set it up for Josh now. I think he's preaching this next. But the grace, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I'm not going to say hardly anything except that we are one, but not the same. That there is a diversity of gifts, there's a diversity of amount of faith. I often pray, Lord, I wish I could be a stronger believer. I am a skeptic by nature, and I see people who find it so easy to believe, and I'm jealous. I want to believe like that, but I've come to peace that that's not my, that's not the measure of Christ's gift for me. The measure of Christ's gift for me is different than that. So each of you have a measure if you belong that Jesus has measured out to you. And it's your calling to fulfill that measure in one body. Because without you, we're missing something. And guess what? Without me, you're missing something too. Right about now, you're going, yeah, like about a half an hour too much preaching. So <laughs> uh, let, me, let me close us in prayer. Father, I'm not totally sure that I can do this. So if I am amiss in this, please forgive me and make it right somehow. But I want to confess on behalf of Pine Ridge Church, the church in Springfield, the church in Canada and the United States and the Western world, that we have failed you. We have acted as if something is not true. We have pretended that we are not. 
called. That we are the center of our own world. That what we think matters. And that you are here to serve us. And so we create you out of our imagination as a God who satisfies our preferences. I pray that you would do a revolution in the church at Pine Ridge and in the church in Springfield and in the church in Canada and the United States and the Western world where there would be a renewal of dying to self. Where we would step out of the spotlight and out of the center and we would put ourselves back in a place where we lay at your feet worshiping, caring of nothing as much as we care to honor you. May we treat our brothers and sisters who see things differently as brothers and sisters who see things differently. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Many of you have need for prayer or something, Josh, elders, myself, come forward, or there's a prayer room over there. Other than that, we are dismissed.